I just started thinking about like, how lucky are we? Like, we, we all really like our jobs, right? And no job is perfect and not every day is perfect in, in the career, but like, how, how fortunate, you know, am, am I, right, to be able to do what I get to do? Hi, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast, where my partner, Joe Fabrito, and I, Tom Richardson, talk about the business of sports with all kinds of folks in the industry. We're getting toward the end of summer 2023. We're recording this mid-August. We'll be out probably the third week of August. Um, Joe, I know you've had uh, some vacation, but you've also been quite active with a bunch of your deals crazy time in the world of sports business, especially the world of college sports business. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit today, but anything you want to um, say before we get going with our esteemed guest, one of our colleagues at Columbia? I think it's great that you acknowledge yourself, Tom, because we often we often forget who we are when we're doing yes. this. So. Yes. Well, you um, never know. We're getting so many new listeners a week now that we're we're actually on the the program's uh, website. So uh, introduce ourselves to everybody. What's um, going on though? What's what's happening in your world? So so one quick thing which I I pointed out. I was actually on my way back from a, a trip to of all places, Montana, and we were delayed on the flight. And I was scrolling through my phone, eliminating all the ridiculous pictures that you don't need. And I came upon a picture from the MIT Sloan conference from this past March. And right now we're here in the middle of July. And in the picture- Middle of August. Uh, we're in the middle of August, right. Yeah. Or middle of July, depending on where you <laughs> right. are. Okay, so. right. If we go into the it's latest- It's July you know, somewhere, Joe, it's okay. Right. We yeah. go back a month. So um, I want to always be in the middle of July. Anyway. Um, but in the picture, amongst other people, were Jessica Berman, uh, Joanna Boynton from the Premier Hockey Federation, Sue Bird, uh, and Mar uh, Mary Wittenberg. And I just thought for a couple minutes about how amazing it is if you knew in March where, in particular, those four women in that one picture, just randomly standing together, have progressed. And, and for those who are just listening to this today and may not know, Mary Wittenberg, who's on our faculty, was named the president of Gotham FC last week. Obviously, we're in the middle of the women, well, towards the end of the Women's World Cup, but Jessica Berman's been involved in tremendous things and has been a speaker at our program and Joanna Boynton um, with the merger of women's hockey um, really was kind of a, a game changer, hopefully, for the better going forward. And she was critical to that and obviously Sue Bird being Sue Bird uh, in her post-career play. But it, but it reminded me that how quickly that was that was early March and how quickly and crazily things have evolved in this business. Like, for example, as I said, we are here in August, not July, but last Friday, uh, the Friday before we recorded this, while most people were off, Disney decided to say, oh, by the way, we're going to get involved in gambling. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got obviously everything going on in, in the OTT world. You've got the RSNs. You've got, as we mentioned, Women's World Cup. So for what was supposed to be a quiet summer and the summer of soccer, it's revolved into, you know, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? And I think the reason why we have uh, our esteemed guest, Scott Rosner, joining us back is to talk a little bit about tomorrow, especially from where we're going as a program and you know what students are going to be experiencing going forward. Yeah, and I think all the disruption that we've seen and all these unpredictable developments that we're witnessing this summer um, is, is a good segue as we think about how you run an educational program in this business. 
yeah. which is evolving faster than anyone might have imagined, let's say, 10 years ago, or Joe, when you were involved in the early, very early stage of the program was first starting in the aughts, late aughts. What what changes are hitting this industry at such a, a crazy pace? It's hard to keep up. And I'm sure one of the things, Scott, and um, Scott, we're so pleased to have you back. And by the way, Scott, everybody noted that this is the, the I think the 300, uh, 330th episode. And I was just wondering, Scott, um, or Joe, how many of, of those episodes have Scott been on? He's been on a fair number of them because of all those little Super Bowl pods mm -hmm. and, and many visits in the past. So I'm thinking he's our most frequent guest. But anyway, Scott, they, let, let's start with this. As the program director, as a professor of professional practice, you've got to deal with the administrative strategic side of where the program's going and also think about how you personally are bringing that into your classrooms with the stuff that you teach but how are you um how are you doing as you look at all this disruption and you think about how it may impact what you choose to do with the program strategically yeah so might as well uh, jump so, right into the deep end of the pool right yeah okay. so well first let, let me thank you both for having me back and and I'm I'm still waiting on the cusp my cusp rewards points to come through yeah, okay. uh, on this and and you know uh redeemable for you know for absolutely nothing um for a thousand dollars off a ford truck like the next yeah, two exactly <laughs> free attendance park, at the park, columbia conference and i parked in your neighbor's driveway joe that ford truck right um so uh but thanks for having me guys and all seriousness and it's a pleasure to be back and and congrats on on episode 330 um and uh, hope we can hope I can continue to do it some some justice with all the other great guests that you've had on. So, um, so a pleasure. So, you know, Tom, it's it's really interesting, right? And you mentioned, you know, Joe's been in the program. He's one of our longest uh, standing members of of our faculty, um, and the program that started in in back in in two thousand six as a part time program, and our first grads, three of them in two thousand eight. Um, and didn't become a full-time pro program uh, in 2014. Um, and the, you know, the growth of the program from when Lucas Rubin, who is kind of the godfather of, of the program, um, and uh, did a wonderful job getting it, getting it off the ground um, and, uh, you know, into, uh, you know, his successor, Vince Gennaro. And then, and then to me, the, it's a, it's a very different program. Uh, than it was, and the sports industry is very different than than it was. So it largely reflects, um, you know, the changes that have, uh, you know, that, that have been seen in the sports industry, um, and we kind of try to reflect on those changes and and try to peer around the corner a little bit and see what's next. So to that end, you know, we now have where the program started. Um, there were a, a dozen courses; they weren't all sports specific. Um, we now have three dozen courses in our program. And so it makes us, as far as we can tell on the vast amount of research that we've done, um, you know, the broadest, most comprehensive uh, sports management program in the world. Um, you know, our course offerings, and I was just going through a couple of other uh, program sites to try to get some ideas for a syllabus, which I know we'll touch upon later that I'm working on right now. Um, you know, you're talking about programs that are very good that have like 15 classes, right? It's pretty much here's the nine that you take, here's and then choose uh, choose electives. Uh, so I'm proud of that. 
um, and and what we have done, we'll, we're continuing. Uh, you know, we always monitor, continue to to monitor what's going on in the industry, of course, and you know, make changes both positively and and sometimes courses are no longer relevant, right? There are courses that have been offered um, by the program that in the past that that, that just have, have no longer you know are no longer seen as relevant, and they've been they've been jettisoned. Uh, and replace with classes that, that do make sense, right? So um, there's a couple of areas that we are, without kind of giving away uh, state secrets, there's a couple of areas that we are um, uh, really interested in and, and kind of, you know, have have plans to uh, add courses in the next, uh, Let's. it won't be academic year 23-24, but it's most likely going to be academic year 24-25 um, that we're kind of coming up with, uh, some plans for right now and lining up faculty and um, envisioning kind of big picture stuff. One of them is going to be a cross-listed program, uh, a cross-listed course, I should say, with another one of the programs at SPS, the School of Professional Studies within which we sit. Um, and there's, you know, there's 17, soon to be 18 programs uh, across, and we intersect with a lot of them. Uh, and this one particular course is one that's uh, uh, of course, it, it didn't really, you know, the, the idea of this course didn't even exist, uh, you know, five, seven years ago. Um, and we'll be one of the first programs to have a dedicated course in this area without saying what it is. Um, and, you know, another one that, um, you know, we've also offered workshops in sports gambling and, and esports. Uh, and my sense is that one of those courses will be turned into uh, we've turned into a full-blown course. Um, you know, in the next year or two. Mm -hmm. What about, um, I mentioned this in our pre-recording, um, the influence of AI that's just hitting our world quickly and has been a big topic of conversation in the education world, ranging from kindergarten to graduate school. Um, I know that it's early days still, but I guess we do all have to think about, all of us that are teaching have to think about this. And certainly you've got to think about it running the program vis-a-vis -vis how it will be incorporated into the program, into the to the syllabi, et cetera. What what can you say about that at this juncture? Yeah. I mean, so first of all, to old heads, uh, you know, you talk start talking about AI and I start looking for Alan Iverson, right? Um, you know, and so obviously that has that has changed uh from what AI referred to in the 90s and, and into the 2000s. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and what it refers to now and, and, and Joe Favorito has some excellent AI stories, um, in that context from, from an earlier uh, moment in his career. Um, but in all seriousness, I mean, the idea of, you know, artificial intelligence, um, you know, and, and the role that it's been, it's, it's going, that it is playing and it's going to play, uh, in education. And, and as you said, Tom, not just higher education, right. We're talking about all levels, mm -hmm. Um, you know, from uh, from elementary uh, to, you know, to to secondary uh, and into higher ed uh, and into graduate school education uh, is something that we're all kind of, you know, in the early stages of, of addressing and figuring it out and um, trying to kind of trying to get our mind around it. Nice thing about being at Columbia is that we've got true thought leaders in that specific space that we can really tap into. Um, and so to that end, uh, last uh, last year, as we started to get a little bit concerned about it and and, and really start to say, hey, how is this going to affect us and what we're doing in the classrooms? 
we had Zach Kornhauser, who's, uh, you know, a PhD, who's uh, on staff at uh, in the School of Professional Studies. And uh, besides her being a wonderful guy and a huge Philadelphia sports fan, uh, is an expert in, in this space. Um, and, you know, Zach and you guys were both in that call and Zach came in and, uh, and spoke to our, you know, at our faculty meeting about, uh, about AI and, and how we could think about incorporating um, chat GPT and BARD and, and the similar products that are out there um, into our classes, right? And so uh, there's different schools of thought on it. Do you, uh, you know, on the use of AI, do you just ban it outright, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's one way. Um, you know, there to think about it, or uh, do you fully embrace it, right? So it's almost like a legalization um, approach to uh, to AI, or do you go with something in the middle? Um, and, you know, it is, you know, we leave it up to our faculty. There's language that we use with respect to, you know, academic uh, integrity uh, and, and, and other issues that of course we care about. We don't want someone getting a paper topic and, um, you know, not that our students would do this, right. Cause you know, um, but, uh, but if they ever thought about it, um, you know, to have language that would address a scenario where that indeed happened, uh, where they just kind of entered their prompt into, uh, into a chat GPT or, or other, other program, uh, and came up with, a you know, a, a, a passable, uh, potentially passable, uh, paper. So that's um, uh, that's something from an academic integrity perspective that we've thought about. But it's really like, how do we use it, right? It's a tool that's going to be moved forward. It, it's not entirely different, um, in, in all honesty, from at the very beginning of my career, uh, there was this new thing called the Internet um, that, you know, that Al Gore apparently had invented, right? <laughs> um, and... Uh, and said very tongue in cheek and that, uh, you know, was going to change, you know, the, the future uh, of uh, a lot of things, but, but including academia. Um, and so it's the next thing we'll adapt and we'll evolve. We actually have, uh, you know, two of our colleagues, uh, Grant Sun and LJ Holmgren, uh, who we'll talk about as, as well later in another context. Um, are, you know, literally I, I read the, you know, one of the, the kind of mid-level drafts um, and the current, the current draft that they're in right now on chat GPT and artificial intelligence in the classroom. Um, so, we're, you know, so our program itself is, um, you know, conducting this kind of research in a case uh, that will be usable for, for our other mm -hmm. faculty um, and obviously beyond our faculty, um, you know, in figuring out how to, how to use, you know, it effectively uh, in the classroom. So we're very much thinking about it in the short term time, you know, like, at, at, you know, we're, we're at, right before we're recording, I, I was working on it and the wind, my window was still open, um, you know, in the background for my current syllabus that I'm, you know, finalizing for, uh, for the foundations of sports management course that I'll be teaching starting in September. Um, you know, I've taught this course, literally have taught this course over a hundred times at this point. Um, and it's, it's, the syllabus changes, you know, fairly regularly. And so one of the things I'm wrestling with now, one of the hallmarks of the course, um, uh, you know, is a long-term paper, right? And do I keep that term paper in long-term, a 15, 20 page term paper to scare off potential applicants, right? Uh, 15 to 20 page term paper. Um, and, you know, on a topic of current critical importance in the sports industry, Right. Well, you know, do you keep that? This is one of the things I'm kind of taking the listeners through kind of my, ment my mental gymnastics. 
do I keep that? Um, do I encourage the use of AI in writing it and provide them with prompts for it? So, you know, it is, uh, or do I jettison it entirely, right? Um, and say, we're going to do, you know, in, in addition to having a final exam that's comprehensive, we're going to have a midterm exam as well. And that'll replace the work or something else, right? So that's kind of where I am in the, in the thought process from an academic perspective, um, you know, on, on the topic, you know, and, and it's literally in the moment. My, if you can see my other window, if I can share a screen here with you all, right, you would see that open. Scott, talk a little bit about the evolution of the student experience in terms of jobs. I mean, you've looked now, and as I mentioned before, you know, we're in the middle, almost the middle of August, and in the last six weeks you've seen you know massive cuts at places like the nba and espn a lot of with legacy employees um, but yet hiring opening up in other places um how has that changed and and while i think the three of us at least love to learn from the students that we have in class and and continue to figure out how we're going to evolve but when, when you now look at students going out into the workforce you know what are the things that you and, and LJ and Bess Brodsky um, tell, tell these students that they need and how has that changed, especially over the last couple of years in terms of life skills and business skills um, to make sure that they're doing the right things to get started? Yeah, gosh, Joe, it's funny. Um, at, at 12.58, my cell phone, which is on mute, rang. Uh, and it was Bess Brodsky, right? And so, you know, we, we are in uh, very frequent, not constant, but very frequent communication, um, you know, about uh, about this. And Bess is our career industry specialist for the listeners who, who don't know um, and does does yeoman's work for us and has for, for a long time um, in helping students get through that process and, and, you know, in their career search. And we also have a, um, our career design lab, which is what Columbia calls career planning and planning and placement. Where we have a wonderful, uh, woman named Dorlene Kerwin, who works with the students, uh, on the kind of the blocking and tackling of job search. Um, and then we also have an executive coach, uh, role, uh, which is really designed for our students as they kind of finish up and our alumni to tap into as a resource, uh, as well. Uh, and we have a hire made in that space. We're not quite ready to announce who it is yet. Uh, it's someone who's been around the industry for a while. Terrific. Uh, really excited about it uh, in a new, in a, you know, who's, who's going to be taking the, the, not taking the place of, but really, um, you know, essentially taking the place of Tony Pontoro. Not that you could ever fill Tony's esteemable shoes, but um, as Tony has moved on to the next phase of his life, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was just a role that, uh, uh, that quite honestly just didn't work for him anymore. We loved him um, and uh, we're sad to see him go, but we're equally excited about the, about the new person coming in. So that's kind of how we structure everything. Joe, to answer your specific question in terms of skill sets, I mean, I think it's a lot of things. I think it's flexibility um, is, is really important. Um, you know, one of the things we're really going to talk to our students a lot about this year, one of our real focal points, we've talked and, and, and we'll get into some of the other things that we do in our program, uh, hopefully, but you know, we talked a lot about grit and we had Angela Duckworth uh, and some of her research assistants come in and talk for a couple of years to our students about uh, about grit. And it was a, we did a book club around it, um, you know, specifically during during the pandemic. Um, and so this year, the focus is is really going to be on hustle. Right. Um, and, you know, I don't mean like hustle, like the Adam Sandler movie, um, you know, or, or hustle like a scam. I mean, like good old fashioned hustle the way that we thought about hustle, right? Doing more, right? 
um, and, you know, really uh, best efforts out there in, in a way and not to bring up, a, a, a you know, someone who's with a very checkered past, obviously, but the Charlie Hustle kind of way, right? Um, the good stuff about it, the on-field Charlie Hustle, right? Not Meaning Pete Rose for most people who will not know who Charlie that, is. That's exactly right, right? So, um, you know, doing it, doing it enthusiastically, doing it with passion, uh, doing it smartly, right? Um, and so we're going to talk to, a lot, you know, I put together a presentation for our students uh, that will, our incoming students during orientation about that topic. So it's like, it's like 20, 30 minutes on hustle uh, and what we mean by that. Um, and so... You know, we also, you know, really, so when we talk about that, it's like little things, right? So like, you know, the nature of work has changed, right? We know that. And the shift towards remote and, um, you know, and everything else, it's really hard to build a career remotely, right? Um, And, you know, there's still no replacement for, this is great, right? And it's very useful technology, right? Um, but there's still no replacement for, you know, a dimension of in-person face-to-face relationship, right? And, and, and I know, you know, maybe ironically that I'm sure many of you saw that even Zoom, uh, you know, in the past week has, has told their employees that they need to start coming in to work in person. Um, so even the, the technology behind all of this, the dominant technology behind all this has, has acknowledged that. So, you know, if you're required to be in three days, right, be in four days, right, be in five, because you never know on a Friday afternoon, right, what's going to happen and who's going to be in the office that it might provide you with an enormous career opportunity, right? Um, and, you know, is the CEO walking around on a Friday? Maybe, right? You just don't know. And so give yourself, hustle gives you opportunity, right? Um, and so, you know, we're talking about that. Um, you know, it's it's this willingness to, uh, you know, to to, in a way, be a little old school, right? Um, in in the way, an old school being like you know, ten years ago, old school, right? Um, in thinking about your career and you know the work that you're willing to put in, um, you know, having. Uh, uh, you know, some analytical fluency. Um, you don't have to be a full money baller or anything like that. Um, but having some fluency is important. And we teach that in our program and, um, you know, fluency in a, in a lot of different areas, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, in the, in the digital space, right. Um, or, you know, if you go down this road, being able to understand, um, you know, crisis communications, Joe, what you teach in, in, in your course and PR and in, in crisis communications, um, that, that you, that you touch upon, um, you know, managing people where I think we all think that our students and they already have, um, you know, will manage people in their, in their, in their careers. And so, uh, leadership and, and management, uh, skills. Um, so there's a lot of different things and, and, you know, and, and, you know, some kind of softer, right. And, and some, you know, a little, a little bit harder. You know, one of the things I mentioned, <clears throat> earlier uh, before we recorded was this the, the plethora of additional related information that's out there and this is something that we talk about in my class Scott which is to say we meet once a week in person we have assignments we have discussion boards things like that but I, I really try to emphasize the fact that if you really want to get deeper into this business whatever the area of the business interests you the most there's so much you can get for free 
through podcasts, through articles, Twitter, et cetera. But you got to be willing to kind of put in the time and it relates to this hustle thing. Mm -hmm. So when you think about your intellectual diet as it relates to the topics covered in the, in the sports management program, you can go so deep. And if you're, as it relates to jobs, I always say, look, if you're going to a company and their executives speak regularly, let's say on podcasts or at conferences, listen to all the podcasts, listen to what they're saying, process what they're saying, and then you can incorporate that in the way you're assessing the company and in the way you present yourself to that company, that you're kind of showing that you're paying attention. So that's kind of my bottom line is like pay attention because it's all out there for the taking. Yeah, it's it's a it's a terrific point, Tom. Um, you know, and I think it's it's one um, that too many uh, students and and even you know professionals who are you know in kind of early mid stages of career um, don't heed, right? No. Um, you know, Joe, to go back to something you you mentioned. Um, you know, some of the reduction, uh, you know, in force kind of uh, things that have happened at the NBA and at other big properties this summer. Um, and it's interesting to note that, um, though certainly not all, many of the people, you know, who, uh, who wound up, uh, you know, losing their jobs, unfortunately, uh, were in roles that were not necessarily revenue generating. Right. Yep. Um, they were in more kind of, you know, support type positions, at least based on the published things that we've seen and kind of, you know, from from within our own networks that, and that we know about. Um, so not to say that this was across the board, um, but, you know, it does give some, you know, real credence to this notion that, you know, if you're choosing right, if you can generate revenue and are in that on that side of the business as opposed to a support side um you know you may have some greater longevity uh within a particular firm now ultimately no matter what you do you've got to be able to do it right you've got to actually be the real deal and, and execute whatever it is that you do and it's not to say that everyone should be going out there and slinging tickets and everything like that that's actually not what we do in our program right um but if you can be on more of that revenue generation line um uh you know you're you you've probably got some 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 you know to use the sailing uh a, a kind of a botch sailing methodology you've probably got some shelter from the storm right um you know as well well i but i also think part of, of what i think you have to do for students today or anyone changing fields is knowing who you are and what you do and be able to explain how you fit into the system so mm -hmm. While you may not be a salesperson, you are selling something if you are building programs that someone can then turn turn and put a price on it. And um, you know, I, I think all of this comes back to the same thing: is figuring out the tools that you have and figuring out how those tools apply to the place that you are working, and making sure when the time comes along that you are continuing to explain how you are valuable or, and sometimes invaluable or most valuable to how how the sausage gets made and a lot of times I, and, and just to briefly touch on the people who were let go um in in places that i know they were legacy employees who maybe just continued to do the same thing and weren't curious learners and i think one of the things that our program encourages across the board from the faculty that we have and the advisors that we have and the tas that we have 
is you have to constantly be evolving. You can't keep doing what you were doing 15 years ago. It's funny, I was trying to think of like, what would be kind of like a joke course that would have been around 15 years ago. My first thing was the XFL. I'm like, well, the XFL is back, so you can't really mm. say that. Um, but, you know, there are there were things certainly that were much more relevant 15 years ago. You know, the history of print journalism or the history of sports. The future of slam ball, Joe. No, the future, so that's back again. I know, so that's, that's back too. <laughs> anyway, but so I, I think that um, I think that that curious learning is something that uh, I know Tom and I have always talked about that, that is incredibly important that comes from the students that we have because they're coming in trying to do more. Uh, right. The last question on 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 the, the the career path, Scott, is what do you do with people? Either they are a little bit older or coming into a program or just graduated from school where they're like, man, I just want to work at X. Hmm. What do you tell them? Yeah, so it's a great question. Um, and I'm going to tell two stories involved this because we literally dealt with I, 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 both of these issues come up yesterday, right? Um, interestingly enough. So uh, one, and hopefully some of our prospective students are listening to this and as they do their homework um, and are listening to podcasts, Tom, uh, and, and digging deep into our program, um, as they think about whether or not they're going to apply or, you know, kind of, you know, what they should write about if they do apply, just doing their due diligence. Uh, we had an applicant um, who really just wanted to go into one specific dimension of the industry. And it's a dimension that, quite honestly, we don't do a whole lot with. Okay. We do it, we touch it, and it's there, but we don't do a whole lot with it. Right. Pickleball. And no, I, I won't yeah. tell you what, because it's going to be, it'll be, it'll, it could betray the confidences of the okay. student. And obviously, I can't talk about this, uh, talk about that. Um, and so really good applicant, like really good applicant, right? Work, good work experience, um, interesting background, you know, well-written essays, good video essay, but was hyper-focused in all of that on one specific area. And, you know, look, we, we want to position all of our students for, for success. Um, and so some of it is, well, what are they thinking about when they, when they come in? So we actually interviewed the student, um, interviewed the applicant, and which we do when there's kind of like we're not quite sure what to do. It happens in probably ten percent uh, of uh, of our of our you know of our admissions decisions. Um, and so the interview question was like, "Hey, well, you know, full disclosure, right? We don't do a whole lot of this, right?" So we don't want you to come to us and then wound up being unhappy and disappointed with your experience because this isn't an area that you focus on, right? That we focus on. Um, we're not, we're try trying to be something we're not. This is who we are, right? And that's not a, really what we do. Um, and he said, well, you know, I was trying to be specific because I thought that's what you guys really wanted in the application. Um, is like, but there's actually a couple of different areas that I can work in, but the tech, the tech side, the, the, the skill side of what I want to do is involves X, Y, and Z. Right. And we do do that. Right. So he, the sport that he picked, you know, that he went deep on was because he thought he needed to have an exact sport with an exact, uh, path. And that wasn't really true. We'd like, if you have an idea, Right. Um, but we also, to Joe, then to answer your question, we need you to be flexible, right? 
Um, and, you know, it, it's not because, you know, you're not going to get a job in a specific space, but the greater the degree of flexibility you have, right, um, you know, the more likely that you will uh, keep your eyes open and keep your mind open to different ideas, right? We want that. We want you to be, again, this is, it almost goes back to this phrase that we've, you've met, brought up a few times, this curious learner, right? Um, and we want you to be curious. The, the, the fact of the matter is that, well, you know, kind of the classic one in the last 20 years um, has been, you know, a lot of people read Moneyball and then watch the, watch the movie. And most people now just watch the movie and don't read the book. Right. Um, and uh, everybody wants to be a, G, a baseball GM. Right. That was kind of the thing for a long time. And you know, that's terrific, but there's only 30 of those jobs unless major, unless and until major league baseball expands and maybe then there's 32. Right. So what's your, what's your plan B, right? Do you have one? Right. Um, and so, you know, we, we do, um, want you to think about other things. And we also understand that for some of our applicants, they're a little younger, right? If they're coming right from their undergraduate experience, they may not know exactly. And that's okay. Right. It's okay not to know, um, you know, but it's, um, it's helpful to be flexible, um, and to think about other, to think about, you know, other pathways and other things that you might want to do. And that's one of the things that we, that we've done with all these expanded, with all this expanded coursework, right. Um, and kind of the 360 degree nature of what we do in our program, it's more than just those 12 classes that you take of the 36 classes that we offer. Right. Um, you know, it's more than that. So it's, you know, we really think about being comprehensive um, and ex and offering excellence in, in all the things that we do. Yeah, Scott, the, the point about flexibility is so important. I just want to mention one thing that Joe and I have talked about a lot. And and one, it was an inspiration for doing this podcast starting seven years ago, or whatever that was, seven and a half years ago. When I did the year as the career coach working with Bess, uh, it was like seven years ago, I realized a certain percentage of students coming in would have that kind of attitude. Like I want to work for major league baseball and be a general manager, whatever, something really specific. And the, and I, I would let them speak and then say, look, you got to keep an open mind. You got to be flexible because if you actually study this business and study the executives in this business, the people you aspire to be, you'll, you will learn quite easily that most of these careers have not been mapped out. These have not been goals from day one. There's been randomness. There's been serendipity. There's been opportunism. And I often would suggest to them once we were, I don't know, a year into the podcast, I said, go listen to a random five or six episodes of our pod. Because as you know, we ask people their career paths. How did you become the head of sponsorship sales at the NFL? It's obviously, I mean, everybody's got a story. And if you listen to enough of them, as we have, and you know this, Every, no one mapped this out. Everybody had a degree of randomness, but you have to be ready to jump when the opportunity presents itself. Like luck is where preparation meets opportunity, that old saying, which is my number one expression as it relates yeah. to career advice. So keeping that open mind is really key. And then having really opportunistic in a positive way, attitude about the things you're going to be presented with in this program through conferences you go to, through friends you get introduced to, parties you attend, whatever, 
things happen. And everybody that we've talked to, Joe, in over 300 episodes has had a version of that. So anyway, that, that's yeah, a no, it's, it's a mindset. great point. I mean, it, it, yeah. it, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, a, it's typically a long and winding road, right? Yes. Um, right. And, and it's very rarely linear in A to B to C to D, right? Yes. Um, and you can kind of re- sometimes try to reverse engineer, you know, from up and see what you need to do. But I, what your comments a few minutes ago reminded me of a, a quick anecdote. I think that you, you both may recall one of our mutual friends in the business industry veteran, uh, Mark Harine, when he first came to my class, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, he came to look at the presentations to evaluate the presentations with me. And when we were uh, having a beer after, he said to me, do you guys teach any sales classes? Meaning the Columbia program. I said, that's a really interesting question. And the answer is no, because we're not teaching, um, um, how would you call it? Functional behavioral skills, such as sales. Mm -hmm. We are teaching academic topics, digital media, communications, et cetera. And he said, well, yeah, but you guys, you know, uh, Scott does realize that there's a lot of jobs open for young people that are in the sales realm, to your your point a few minutes ago, on the Mm -hmm. revenue generation side of the ledger. And I said, said, Mark, that's a really fair point. And I always tell people to be open-minded if they don't think they're interested in sales. Mm -hmm. It's not a life sentence, but you guys know, you see a disproportionate amount of senior level executives who did do sales at one point when they were young, if they weren't just lawyers like the commissioners or something like that, um, because you learn these skills, which accrue over time for presentations, for your interviews, for all your meetings with your bosses. And it's a really important thing. And so that's something that um, I talked to Bess about because I always, we've gone back and forth through the years. I said, what percentage of, let's call these entry level or early career options that our students might have would be on that side of the ledger? The revenue. I don't know if you can answer it or just estimate, but it's it's probably not a small percentage because that's where they typically hire a lot of young people. So anyway, it, it's again, part of the mindset of, of keeping up and saying, hey, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go join the sponsorship sales group and I'll do it for two years, see how it goes. Yeah, and then um, it's funny. And we do have a course, Sports Sponsorship and Sales, right? right. Um, you know, that, uh, uh, but it's 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 the landscape and it's not sales specific. Yeah, yeah it's not sales training as they, as they yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, there's, right. there's nothing wrong with the, with the sales side at all. And, and you know, I, I hope our listeners understand that. Um, it's it's just not for a variety of reasons uh, that we don't, that are that are kind of in the weeds kind of issues that we don't need to go into. Um, it's just not really what our students are interested in, right? Um, by and large, there are some, right? But by and large, the the answer is they 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 want to focus on a different different direction. And we actually have people some people who do come from sales mm-hmm. and want to get out of sales, right? right. So we're the pivot moment. Uh, for them to develop the the you know the you know to provide the education and uh, the skills that they need to make that pivot from sales into you know another area right um, and so you know I think um, uh, you know to to you know understand the, the idea is you know ultimately we're trying to without sounding too high minded about it really think about your career. We want the student to think about their careers holistically. Right. Um, and so to that end, so I mentioned there were two stories. So one 
the applicant, right? Um, that I told the story, the story of him was super focused on one area. The interview helped clarify things and the student ultimately was accepted into the program. I'm not sure whether or not that student will attend, but, but, you know, um, it was just accepted. He probably hasn't even gotten the letter yet. Right. So this, by the time this publishes, uh, we'll have gotten the letter. Um, and another, uh, one of our alums who is wonderful, graduated, uh, a year or two ago, um and called me yesterday texted me and then i picked up the phone and, and called um you know we had a long conversation about an opportunity that was presented to her um choosing between two really high profile properties um you know as the as the next step in her career one in a sport that she loved she played she really was uh you know was 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 enthusiastic about and doing some really cool work um, and the other, in a in a in a in a major league, right? Um, and it's sort of, in a way, a little kind of sexier, right? To have on the resume, not much, but a little bit, right? Um, and kind of talk through the decision process on which direction to go in. Um, and you know, obviously, you have the financial conversation, um, but it's really more about the people. Right. And one of the things that was really, really interesting, right, was that she said, you know, um, you know, I hate for it to sound this way, but you know what they but you know, what was really cool. Right. And I'm paraphrasing here that they, they the people from the group that I'm going to be working in all called me to tell me I should take the job and how excited they were for me to join. Right. And they hoped that they they knew that she had two offers um, and that they hoped that they would pick you know, working with them, right? Like, how often does that happen? In I was going to say, that's the answer. I would say to her, that's the answer. That's right. the company you go with. And, that, and that's what it was. And ultimately yeah. went in that direction. Terrific. I mean, it's the right, it's the right job for her, right. Uh, right. for sure. It also happened to be the one, coincidentally, that paid more, right? Uh, but that really wasn't the primary consideration set. Um, but it was a pretty substantial difference. And it counts for a lot, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I always use the line, Scott, if you want to know what a company is going to be like to work for, pay attention to the recruitment process. And if it's slow and plotting and frustrating and they're being any and in any way disrespectful, guess what? Welcome to your new company. Yeah. And, yeah, it's and a fair buyer point. beware. Yeah. And Tom, I've never given that specific advice, um, but maybe I should be. Right. I, I think it's, it's usually a, pretty close to true yeah. in most cases I've seen, including my own career. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Although, you know, sometimes it's a, it's just purely a matter of uh, maybe a dysfunctional human resources right. group as opposed to anything but, else. But that's still, that's something you have, if you're going to be a manager, then you're going to be dealing with that. With HR, manage. sure. And and that's, and, and that's a, it's a terrific point. Um, and, you know, one again, that maybe I should be giving that advice. Um, and, and I probably will be going forward. So for those of you who are curious where I picked that up, um, it was on episode 330 of the CUSP podcast. Right, right. Well, it's a, it's a subtle thing, but part of it is just, it, it's that leaving aside the degrees, leaving aside your academic achievements, leaving, leaving aside your past experience, ultimately it comes down to human connection with a hiring manager or a team that you're going to work for. And the, the so-called uh, blink moment, the Malcolm Gladwell blink moment is real. Like usually your first impression or your early impressions mean a lot. And if you get yeah. a really good vibe from a group, including this personal touch of these people calling her from the employer, that that's really special. That doesn't happen. 
<laughs> very often. No, so. it doesn't. And and so again, I mean, ultimately, and, and Joe, you've talked about this, you know, countless times over over <laughs> your lifetime. Um, uh, you know, not to mention in your writings and all the other work you know, it's about the people in the end, mm -hmm. right? Um, and you know, it was it was funny. I was I was I don't know what made me think of this. Maybe you're thinking about coming on the podcast today. And I was out for my morning, you know, very slow run uh, this morning. And and um, I just started to think about, like, man, like, how lucky are we? Like, we we all really like our jobs, right? And no job is perfect and not every day is perfect in, in the career. But like, like how, I mean, in all seriousness, I really like had this kind of moment as I was struggling to go up this stupid hill um right and, and you know and, and running up i'm like how how fortunate you know am, am i right to be able to do what i get to do right and really it, it when you and, and it sometimes it just kind of dawns on me and i always appreciate it yeah. right but it was like literally you know running up a hill in ramsey new jersey right um and you know like just literally like man like this is this is pretty good right yeah. Well, when you think about the other side of that coin, which is the times in our lives we've worked for people that are, oh. let's fill in some adjectives, annoying, oh. mean, disrespectful, yeah. um, dishonorable, yeah. whatever. You look back on your life as you get older and you're like, those are the times I really did not enjoy. It might have been a great company, but that doesn't substitute for the people you're working with. And if you yeah, get it's a good, it's a, people it, around you, are just either not good or 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 they're just not um, respectful. Uh, I mean, I tell everybody, even even really young people who are just really eager to have a certain job, I said it's not worth it. Life is too short. Go go try to do your best to find the people that will will be better for you mentally. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's absolutely. Um, and you know, when you've worked for a bad leader, right? It, it it it's enlightening um and it also makes you really really reconsider um you know <laughs> your experience at that yeah. place of employment yeah and it's right. the spirit it's a spiriting i mean it affects your mental health probably for a lot of people now god knows we've heard a zillion stories about that and yeah yeah and yeah. it's funny like and, and and that's obviously you know um something that we're we're you know hyper concerned about um, and, and one of the things, Tom, in all seriousness, is that we talk about hustle, right? And as I'm doing kind of my research and preparing, like this, there is this notion of hustle culture, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, one that's a negative version of hustle where you're right. working 24 seven, mm -hmm. there's no breaks, there's no, you know, and, uh, or anything like that. And that's not what we're talking about. When we're right. talking about. So like you're balancing that, right. Mm -hmm. Um, when we think about, uh, you know, mental health and, um, you know, and, and I've told this story, you know, before, um, you know, and, and I think my, my first real experience with that, uh, was believe it or not of all things on nine 11. Right. Um, and Joe, I know you and I have talked about this story, Tom, I don't know if, 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 if we've talked about it. Um, and, that 
you know, I, I lived two blocks south of the World Trade Center on 9-11. So like it all unfolded right in front of me. Um, and you, you were know, there that your, morning? Yeah. Running for your life. The whole, I literally saw the whole, wow. yeah. Okay. So, um, and I was working at, uh, at, at Seton Hall at the time. Um, and which if you're listening and you really wanted to piece it together, there's no reason for me to hide that. And, and I, and I was headed into the office and my normal path, my normal way to go. And I was go into the world trade center, take the path train, uh, to Harrison, right. New Jersey, which is where the, at the station where the Red Bull arena is now, it wasn't there then, which is where my car was. I would get in the car and drive to campus. That didn't happen that day. Right. So. Uh, I took a ferry. I was on a train. You know, you're scrambling for your life. I'm calm. I'm trying to get in touch with my wife. I'm getting in touch with my parents. You know, all that stuff. My friends who worked in the building. You know, all those things. And I wound up getting to campus. Uh, there was a standing meeting um, at uh, 10 a.m. on Tuesdays. Um, and if you follow the timeline here, right? Of course, I wasn't getting to campus at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday the way I normally did, and I was really late. And I was shaken, like 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 you would expect someone who just saw everything yeah, that they it's saw. Traumatic, to be, yeah. to be to, totally traumatic. Um, could barely talk. Um, and got to my meeting, and I walked in, and the first thing the person running the meeting said, I'm not going to say who it was, was "You're late." Hmm. Right. And I tried to exp- I tried to get the words out. I remember like it was yesterday. Unfortunately, like, do you know what? is happening and this was someone who i I mean he was my future at that institution depended on him right and given the hierarchy of higher education and he said yeah but we all have a job to do and i said not today we don't and i literally walked out of the meeting right Mm -hmm. and you know, it, it was like at that moment, I knew I was like, my future is not at this school. And not because I just made someone really bad. I was like, but I, I can't, you know, work for someone. I loved a lot of the people there. Now, and to be to be very clear about this, I had a really good experience there, but and and loved working for, you know, and with the, the Ann Mayos of the world and Larry McCarthy's wonderful people. And they weren't the ones involved in this. It was somebody else. And I was like, you know what? I, th- this is not for me. I, th- this is yeah. not a, a place that I can I can work at. Yeah. You know. Um, and so, yeah, it matters, right? To say the least. Hmm. Um, Scott, last question: um, As you look into your crystal ball going forward of opportunities, um, what are the things that are on your radar? What are the things that are coming? Maybe new to the program or updated to the program, not just for now, but for the future. You mentioned a couple. Um, where the program and, and the faculty can stay a little bit ahead to keep make sure that people are getting the skills that they need. So what are the what are the things that are sitting out there that are on your radar and, and everybody should know about? Yeah. So um, a couple of things. We've got uh, a couple of new people joining us um, that, uh, you know, over the course of the year, we'll have uh, at this moment, it looks like four uh, new faculty. Uh, who will be uh, who will be joining us? Um, can tell you who who a couple of them are. Can't do a couple others. Uh, but uh, we have new faculty teaching the baseball analytics course for us, uh, which should be a a great combination uh, of of you know truly academic and real world uh, experience. So Adam Fisher 
who was a longtime director of baseball operations for the Mets um, and then moved on, was the assistant GM of the Atlanta Braves um, and then interim GM uh, of the Braves uh, and now runs 78 sports, nonprofit youth sports uh, in uh, in Brooklyn, is going to be co-teaching the baseball analytics course with Jared Cross, uh, who is uh, uh, you know statistician, uh, masters in applied math, um, and is a longtime uh, high school stats teacher in St. Anne's in Brooklyn, of all places, Joe, back in your old stomping grounds, mm-hmm. right? Um, so they're co-teaching our baseball analytics course for us. Um, Ishwara Glassman Shrine is going to be joining us in the spring uh, to teach um, uh, our, our revenue strategies and analysis course, uh, a section of that. Uh, in the spring. We're super excited. I was just speaking to, to Ishwara this morning about it. Uh, super excited about that. And there'll be full releases around all these things uh, in due course and, and can't quite announce, but the paperwork has been signed for our uh, our new career uh, executive coach uh, as well. So, so really excited about that um, in terms of the people. Um, you know, our faculty continue to do really good things, which is, which is also cool. And there'll be new additions too. Uh, on on that list that uh, they're not quite ready to, to talk about yet, um, but uh, you know we've we've you know we'll we'll, we'll do our conference um, in uh, in early October October sixth, uh, which you two will be you know will be intimately involved in of course, and 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 we'll have more conversations around that, um, and you know really just uh, a new partnership that uh, will be announced in September. Uh, with uh, a, a global sports property um, that uh, that we'll, we're looking forward to, to rolling out um, and will be a great benefit to uh, to our students uh, in particular uh, with internships and uh, and student projects uh, that we'll roll out with with this partner uh, similar to the ones that we do with Bayern Munich and the NFL um, and and the USOPP. Um, so super excited about it. We're really looking forward. We've got a class of, um, of 56, uh, students coming in. Um, you know, it's, we start orientation, uh, on August 28th, uh, with, you know, with a full week of, of activities and events and workshops. Um, and, uh, uh, excited about that. It looks like it's about, uh, one third international, uh, two thirds domestic. We had, uh, our applications, you know, our applicant pool was really deep. We had, uh, you know, we had, we were up over 40% ultimately in applications from last year, uh, which was a good year. So we went from good to like really high. Um, so excited about that and the class coming in and uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, I'm not excited about next week because next week is when I take my oldest to college uh, for the oh, first wow. time. Uh, but, uh, but after that I will be in uh you know, it, it, I'm very excited to have our students come in because I think it'll be some some perfect distraction. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, uh, always re-energized with another cohort, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hey Scott, just one quick follow up on that a factual question. Um, you mentioned a third international. Have you have you noticed any trends in the interest from around the world regionally? Yeah, t- absolutely. Um, so. We're starting to see applicants from countries that we never saw applicants from before, mm. uh, which is which is interesting. Um, and we have, I think, our our, our 
you know, to speak about it, you know, and, and not to not to equate it with with, with uh, investment, but we have a really we've become a, a very diversified global portfolio of students. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, is kind of the, the the best way to to uh, that I can think of to analogize to another industry, whereas in the past we've had a lot of international applicants and um, but the portfolio wasn't as probably as diversified um, as it is now, right? Where, in other words, there were, you know, a handful of countries that were kind of like the ones that you would, uh, you know, you would see more applicants from. Um, and we're still seeing applicants from uh, from those countries in, in similar numbers. But now it's really the rest of the world, which is, you know, really, um, it's really gratifying. And obviously slowed down during the pandemic. Our, our international population dropped uh, pretty substantially because there was no travel, right? Um, and you know, visa restrictions and things that were in place. Um, so we went from you know typically around you know thirty to forty percent down to un- just under twenty percent uh, during the pandemic, and now we're back up into that kind of thirty percent, thirty three uh, for for this year. Um, but then we also have just the students are from all over the place. Their backgrounds are really different. Um, you know, we're, they're we're we're really excited about this class. I'm literally getting, I saw a phone call from uh, that came on as we were doing this podcast from one of the incoming students, right? Uh, who just want to talk about getting ready for uh, the semester and, you know, and, and what they can do. I'm imagining because based on the text that were sent back and forth, what they can do to prepare, right? So like we're, 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 you know, we're, we're just about there. We got, uh, we got a couple more vacations to go through our, our, uh, one of our producers for this show, uh, Danny Hagenlocker has got to go climb some mountains in Colorado next week. Nice. Um, and, uh, and then we, you know, really, uh, and Pablo's got to go do a little bit of vacation, um, you know, but then, uh, but then we really hit the ground running, uh, the week of the 21st and, and really, really excited about it. That's great. Well, thanks, Scott. That was a terrific update. Sounds um, sounds like you got everything under control. Makes me feel good. And I'm sure Joe agrees. Uh, you're on top of all this. Um, just as a practical matter for anybody listening, for the conference, October 6th, Friday, October 6th, it's a one-day conference. They can just yeah. go to the site, correct? Correct. Yeah. Um, okay. And uh, and the information and how to register for it and everything uh, is up there. Um, and uh, if you have any questions... Uh, about that, um, you can reach out to uh, to Danny Hagenlocker, um, who is uh, you know our point person on the conference itself. Uh, and Danny's email is dh three one one seven at columbia.edu. Although next week he will be climbing a mountain or mountains, so he will be unavailable because I don't have cell service where he he will be. I'd imagine. Uh, but dh three one one seven at columbia.edu. Nice. All right. Well, that'll be fun. And and hard to say, funny to say, we're not that far off, Joe. It's it's August 11th today. So I'm thinking this is less than two months. Like, how did that yep. happen? And I get to bat lead off again on Thursday afternoon, which is great. So nice. anyway. Nice. Um, well, yeah. yeah. The semester starts on Tuesday. Uh, oh. at, uh, Tuesday, the day after Labor Day, we, we get going this year. So yeah, Tuesday uh, the fifth, and my class is uh, Wednesday the sixth. Yeah, so here yeah, we go. that's exactly right. And Tom, we're I believe we're on the same day this year. So oh, good, well, I get to uh, see you more. So um, all right, well, let the games begin, as they say. Um, Scott, thanks again. Good luck with sending your daughter off 
Um, hope you can enjoy your half empty nest in a few weeks. Uh, it does change things, but in, uh, oftentimes in a good way. So, yeah, uh, you know, absolutely. Now we're, we're, well, she is, you know, she's a wonderful kid, uh, young woman. Um, and, uh, we're going to miss her, 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 she's a, a very positive presence in a, in, in every single aspect of it in the house, but you know, the nature of the parenting relationship evolves, yeah. um, as, as you both know, um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're excited for her to have a, well, as long as, long as you keep and occasionally wear your Taylor Swift t-shirt like that, that will be. Okay. Uh, you know what? I mean, remember the you know, summer we're, we're, we already, we're thinking like ahead to 2024, uh, and tried unsuccessfully to get tickets to Toronto, uh, which is right before Thanksgiving, uh, and how we could finagle that. So if you're a yeah. listener and you've got access to the Saturday, Friday or Saturday show at Rogers Center in Toronto, uh, you know, please reach out and let us know. Right. Yes. I mean, uh, no, but in all seriousness, we're, uh, uh, we're very excited for her. It's obviously bittersweet. Um, and, uh, I think our younger one has, uh, no idea the amount of attention that's going to be focused on him, uh, as he heads into high school. So, um, you know, but, uh, but both great kids were very lucky. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, you know, of all the things I do and all the jobs, uh, you know, I love my job at Columbia, but my favorite job is being a parent to those two. So nice. I think we have to end on that note, Joe. Um, Wow, that was fun. So everybody, we've been listening, talking to Scott Rosner, the program director of our sports management program, is also a professor of practice, um, leading the charge on strategy and development of the program and looking like we're having a great, we have a great 23-24 academic season that we're going to have starting in a couple of weeks. I encourage everybody to check out the conference, buy tickets, they're reasonably priced. It's one day, no fuss, no muss, beautiful location on the Upper West Side of Manhattan on the campus. So uh, there's our plug for the sports management conference. Um, Joe, thank you. Another good episode. Number three, we're now going to break 3.30. So uh, we're on our way to 400. Wow. And uh, happy rest of the summer to everyone. Yes. Best to everybody. If anybody has any suggestions on topics or people, that we might want to talk to. Um, you know, we have an open mind. We love meeting different personalities. We love the diversity of the guests we get on the show. And we appreciate any uh, ideas or support you can provide to supplement what we're doing with our group at Columbia. Thanks to Danny. Thanks to Pablo. Thanks to Matt. Thanks to all of our producers. Uh, Hernan, been a, a great gang uh, we have working on this show. And we really appreciate all the work they do. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Enjoy the remaining weeks of summer. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.